Everybody say this with me. Every day matters. Y'all didn't say that with me. Every day matters. Every day matters. Every day matters. When you get up in the morning, what you do that day matters. That's what we're going to talk about in this sermon series. This sermon series is going to be a little bit longer than our other ones. Not each Sunday, but overall. Amen. Um, I promise. Um, what we do every day has a cumulative effect. We'll talk about that in a minute. Not right now, but just remember that word, cumulative effect. What we do every day of our life is really, really important. Um, you are going to end up being what you focus on, how you think, what your uh, priorities are each and every day. And we're going to uh, get into detail about that. You know, we're at that time of the year. Thanksgiving's coming up. Amen. Amen. Everybody say hashtag gravy. Amen. Hallelujah. I love gravy on everything. Um, strawberry shortcake, gravy, just put some gravy. Uh, um, so we've got Thanksgiving coming, we've got Christmas coming. Y'all love this time of the year? You love it? Who loves the temperature? Who's, who's with me? All the chubby people said amen. Amen. Amen on the cooler temperature. Change leaves. My time of the year, baby. Pumpkin. Woke up this morning, frost on the ground. No more mowing the grass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, as we come to the end of the year, the end of 2016, and i got to tell you, man, it seems like just yesterday we were talking about the beginning of 2016. You remember the beginning of 2016? We were talking about putting the prayer requests on the wall. Just kind of turn around and look behind you and, and see all those prayer requests on the wall. That's what that is. Now, I know if you're new to the church, you thought those were comments that people wrote about my awesome sermons. But really, what that is, is that's prayer requests. And uh, the green ones are the requests. And then what we ask you to do is the yellow tags, the yellow uh, post-it notes, those are praise reports for answered prayer. So I'm looking back there, see a lot of green, see some yellow in there. That's awesome. So we want you to know that you can pray over these after service. If after service you want to just walk back there and pray over those, you're welcome to do that. If you want to get here a little bit early between the services and you want to just take some time and read those and pray over those. And yes, journaling. We talked about journaling and, and making sure you're writing down uh, your prayer plan, what you're praying about. You're writing down God answering prayers. I hope you've been doing that. That's something I've been doing for a long time. So I probably haven't mentioned that as much as I should, but guys, don't forget that prayer journal. Break that thing out, get the dust off if it's been a while, and work that prayer journal. Let that be something you don't just do when we emphasize it, but let that be a daily practice in your life. And especially that goes with this sermon series as we talk about every day, what we do every day, how we think every day, how we perceive our faith level every day, believing for a miracle every day, knowing that God is with us every day, um, growing every day, doing something every day that, that, he, that at the end of the day you can say, I grew today, I grew. Uh, maybe it's in knowledge about God, that would be the main thing you want to grow in, but also and we'll talk about it in this series, 
growing as a person, growing in your, in your career area, and, and we'll get into that a little bit. How about uh, doing every day what I need to do to make sure I'm healthy, to make sure I'm doing the things that are healthy? And, and so really, this series, even though Thanksgiving's going to be in it, and Christmas, and you're going to get a Thanksgiving message, and you're going to get a Christmas message, what we want you to do is kind of look at this series going into 2017, and even before 2017 gets here, I think sometimes we focus on the new year after the new year's already started. I kind of want to get to get a head start this year and get you building a list, not necessarily a long list, but really a, a top priority list of the things I want to focus on every day in 2017. And you don't have to wait to 2017. You can go ahead and do it now. But what am, I, what am I doing every day to be a better man of God, to be a better woman of God? If you're a student, if you're here and you're in high school, you're in college, uh, to be a better young person, a better young adult, what can I do each and every day to live a more joyful life, a more fruitful life, a more fulfilled life. So the hashtag, if you're going to put something on uh, social media, and there will be some things coming up on the screen that we hope you'll put on social media. Just let everybody know kind of what we're preaching on here at the bridge. The hashtag, of course, is simply every day, and then that way we get to all see that. If you want these sermon notes, uh, you use the email address that's up on the screen. So let's talk about a big word. Most of you know what it means. It might be new to some of you. I've already said it. It is the word cumulative. Can we say that together? Cumulative effect. A cumulative effect. Let's read the definition. Increasing or becoming better or worse based on what you're doing, based on what practices you have going on in your life. You will be increasingly better or increasingly worse. You will be becoming better or becoming worse over time through a series, a consistent series of additions, including or adding together all of the things that came before. Here's what that simply means. What we do, the little things a lot of times that we don't think matter have a cumulative effect. Let me give you an example. Finances. And I'm not going to preach on money today, and I'm not going to preach on you giving more money. I will remind you, if you haven't given to the offering fit for a king, we're still open for that. Um, by the way, we're at about $230,000 on offering fit for a king, even with the flood kind of messing us up. So let's thank God for that. But if you didn't get to give in that offering, we hope you will before the end of the year. Um, um, so cumulative when it comes to my finances. If I, if I don't write down what I spend, if I don't budget what I spend, if I'm, if I'm uh, casual about keeping an eye on my finances, keeping an eye on my spending, if that's how I do it every day, then over time I'm going to find myself in financial trouble, right? If I'm not really keeping my eye on that, if I'm not really uh, being intentional, let's say that word together, intentional, if I'm not intentional about my finances, how many of you know you never drift toward more money? What do you always drift toward? More debt. You, if you're going to have more in savings, you got to be what? Come on. Intentional about that. 
So what you do every single day, how you view your finances, how you view your resources, how you view your income, how you view what God's given you and put in your life, how you view that, how you use that, how you think about that is going to have a, come on with the big word, cumulative effect on your life. And you're going to get the end of your year and you're going to go, oh my goodness. I'm in debt. I'm in debt. I'm in debt $1,500 more than I was at the beginning of the year, and I didn't even plan it. I didn't even have any big thing come along that put me in that extra debt. I just wasn't being, come on, intentional about what I was doing with my finances. So the cumulative effect for what you do every day can either bless you financially or it can devastate you financially. So that's just one example. Uh, let's do another one. And this one is one that you'll get really, really excited about. By the way, talking about cumulative effect, I read in Business, uh, Business Insider. Uh, this is a website. It could be a magazine as well. But it said, if you're intentional about your finances, beginning at age 25, if you saved $5,000 a year at beginning at age 25, at an annual percentage rate of 7%, which is very reasonable over time, you'll end up with $1,142,000 when you reach age 65. So based on just a normal income, if you could just discipline yourself to daily do what's necessary to save a little bit every day, you could end up a millionaire. That's the power of compound interest, and compound interest is simply... Uh, cumulative effect what you do daily. Let's talk about something else. You're going to get really excited about this. I hope I don't have to pause too often to allow you to applaud when I'm talking about this. But let's talk about our health. Y'all excited? Who's excited? So here's some little things you can do that will make your health better by the end of 2017. Take the stairs. Come on finish my sentence, take the stairs instead of the elevator. You say, is that what you're going to, I mean, you can preach on that today. I'm talking about little things having a cumulative effect. How many of y'all would like to step on the scales at the end of 2017 and weigh 25 pounds lighter than you do right now? Amen. Little things, man. Look, you don't have to go, and the, how many of us do this? How many of us go join the gym January 1st and go, man, I'm on it, baby. I'm on it. I'm going to wear that treadmill out. I'm on it. And then by January 4th, you're like, boy, that got old quick. <laughs> Amen. So I'm not, I, hey, there's nothing wrong with joining the gym. There's nothing wrong with being in the gym. That's great. That's great. But there's some little things. you. Let me tell you one thing y'all can do because I've been watching y'all. I've been watching y'all down at Walmart. Target, the mall, why don't you just go ahead and quit driving around, spending $5 worth of gas to find one parking space closer to the front door? Your wife's like, there's a spot right there. Wait, I think somebody's moving two spaces closer. Come on. Come on. I'm watching you people. Ain't it the truth? Who's the worst about that? Guys are the worst? Who thinks guys are the worst? Who thinks ladies are the worst? Hey, guys, yeah, good, smart man. Uh, yeah, buddy. I'm like, yes, I got the third parking place from the door. Let me get my fat out so I can. 
Park away from the door. Park where nobody's going to beat your car up. Amen? Man, there's some cool cars in our parking lot. Have y'all looked around? I'm jealous, man. Some of the cool pickup trucks. and Man, stuff. park away from the door. Get out and walk up to the door. Walk up. These are little things that have a what kind of effect? Cumulative effect. Let me give you some other ones. Cut your sugar intake. Come on, y'all. Come on. Don't leave me up here by myself. You say, Pastor, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. Well, cut it to then. <laughs> Minimize your salt consumption. Y'all ain't saying amen. Ain't nobody hearing me up here. Here's one you can say amen to. Take a nap. Come on, y'all. Come on. Yeah, baby. Did you know your sleep patterns have a whole lot to do with what you eat? Did you know that? Did you know that? Yeah, man. So eat a big old piece of cake right before you go to bed. That is not true. That is not true. Matter of fact, my next one says, you know, don't eat so late. Don't eat late at night. Cut your sugar intake. Minimize your salt. Plan your rest. Get some naps in there. Matter of fact, the most productive companies in America today, did you know, if you uh, look at those most productive companies, that a lot of them have spaces where their company is, where people can take a nap about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say amen. You know what? The bridge has been doing that for years. I can't tell you how many times I walk around at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and my staff's asleep. I'm like, bless them, Jesus. They're just being productive. Amen. Drink tea instead of soft drinks, preferably green tea. Who's with me? When you order your salad dressing, you, first of all, if you order a salad, good deal. Yay. But have them, but listen to this, little thing, little thing. Put the salad dressing where? On the side. You don't eat as much. You don't use as much. Um, plan quiet time. This kind of goes along with that nap part, but you need some time. Listen, this is so important. A little thing where you're just quiet. You know why we don't like to be quiet? Because we think. We think. We think about stuff and, you know, the way life is and this crazy election and stuff that's going on in our society that just you can't understand. It blows your mind and, and, and you think about your personal situation and, and you think about it. And you're like, I don't like to think about that. But listen, it's in your quiet time when you turn everything off that God has a chance to say something. Can I say this to you? If, you? if you don't get anything else out of my sermon today, will you get this? God wants to talk to you. God wants to talk to you. God wants to, how many of y'all know that old language, the Lord laid something on my heart? How many of you know God wants to lay things on your heart? He wants to lead you. He wants to impress you. He wants to influence you. He wants to say some things to you. And I hear people all the time go, you know, I never hear God say anything to me. Hey, man, it's because we don't shut up. And it's not only because we don't shut up, it's because we want noise all the time. We want noise all the time. Some of you, you'll get home today and, and you'll walk in the front door and it's dark, you can't even see, and you're looking for the remote control because you got to get the NFL Today on. And the women said, amen to that. 
I mean, we want music going, or we want entertainment going, or we just want TV in the background. Hey, that's all fine. I'm not up here just beating on you about that. I'm like that myself, too. But listen, we need some time where we go, where we go you know what? I'm shutting it all down. I'm getting off the grid, turning my phone off. And I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a couple of verses, and then I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to read another verse, and I'm going to be quiet. I'm telling you, man, those little things will help you develop. They will bring rest in your life. They will help your, your health. Here's another thing, cumulative effect, relationships, your marriage. Your marriage, it's the little things that matter. Uh, parenting, friendships. You know, in marriage with guys, it's like uh, uh, guys are terrible for this. Listen, I'm terrible for it. We neglect, 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 and then we see things really not good, and so we're going to make it all up in two days, or we're going to go off and, you know, buy this dinner, and we're going to have a great night out. And But guys, that's great, and your wife loves that, and she wants you to do that, but it's that daily stuff, man. It's that daily attitude toward your spouse. It's that, those daily words, those daily expressions, those little things that make a marriage strong. It's not that big event. It's not that big vacation, which is fine. Do that. That's great. Create those memories. Have that special night out. Uh, have that special dinner out. That's great. But guys, don't neglect, 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 neglect. And then when you see things falling apart, you go, I'm going to make it all up in one night. Is this making sense? It's that way with parenting. It has a cumulative effect. How many, how many marriages have I seen as a pastor that I could see it coming? I could see it coming. There was neglect, 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 and then you get a phone call and go, she's left me or he's left me. I remember uh, I was working with a guy about 30 years ago in his marriage, and um, he was having some trouble, and I kept telling him, man, you can't, you gotta, it's a daily thing, it's a daily thing, and the phone rung one day, and he's an old country boy, and I won't ever forget, I picked up the phone, I went, hello, and this is what I heard on the other end, she took the ceiling fans, <laughs> I said, who is this, I, I kind of knew, that's all he said, she took the ceiling fans, where? Where? <laughs> she had left him and took everything, including the ceiling fans. And I told him, man, I'm telling you, that day's coming, bro. You can't talk like that. You can't act like that. You can't neglect because over time, it ha come on, it has a what? Cumulative effect. Your career, your career, and I won't get into that a lot, but... But, you know, we complain because we don't get a raise. We complain because some people get paid more than we do. Hey, listen, you might be in a situation where you're just really being treated unfair. I don't mean to be insensitive to that. But listen, decide, I'm going to make myself more valuable. I'm going to take some classes. I'm going to read some books. Um, I don't know what line of work you're in, but make yourself more valuable. What can I do each day that will make me a more valuable employee, more valuable team member, uh, what you do daily is very important. And then in this series, what we really want to focus on are those positive daily practices that lead to a spiritual life well-lived. 
We want to lead, we want to do those daily things that lead to a spiritual life well lived. Um, if you don't follow professional golf, you might not remember or know who this guy is, but how many of you ever heard of Gary Player? You ever heard of Gary Player? Uh, yeah, awesome, awesome golfer, Hall of Fame, won, you know, the Masters, all the great tournaments, just incredible, amazing golfer. And when he was younger, uh, and when he was in the prime of his uh, golfing career, coming into the prime of his golfing career, he made some unbelievable shots. And he made some like in a row in, in several tournaments back to back until he, and people began to say, you are one lucky guy. What a lucky shot that was. We use the word lucky. Even in church, we use the word lucky. Oh, you're so lucky. I love what Gary Player said about that. He said, you know what I found out? The more I practice every day, the luckier I get. Y'all with me? It's what you do every day. People can call it luck. In the Christian world, you know what we'll call it? We'll look around at somebody and it just looks like they're close to God. It looks like they walk with God. It looks like they've got this great relationship with God. It looks like God's just doing stuff for them all the time. And here's what we say about them. We say, man, that guy, I don't know how he does. He just walks in God's favor. He just walks in it. Man, so God must have just picked him. God must have just picked her. I mean, boy, I wish he'd pick me. You know what? God didn't pick them. God didn't pick her, pick him. They do those things every day, every day, consistently. Come on, this is about to get deep. They put you under the spout where the blessings come out. Glory to God. Y'all with me? I mean, if you're putting yourself in a position every day because of your disciplines and because of you've set some priorities in your life and you've decided who you're going to be and you do those things every day, it has some kind of effect. It's a long word. It's like it has a cumulative effect and you end up under the spout where the Spirit's coming out and you know why that's happening to you, but people around you who don't do that, they go, he just walks in the favor of God and they almost have a jealousy toward you. Amen? Guys, here's what God's saying to you. Here's what God's saying to Pharaoh. He's saying, you can get under the same spout. You can get under the same spout where the blessings are coming out, but it's what you do every day that puts you there. We're so guilty, aren't we? We're so guilty of, just like the marriage thing I brought up a while ago, we let it go and let it go. We let our spiritual life go and we get ourselves in trouble and we get ourselves in a mess and, and we stop making decisions based on God and based on our prayer time and based on what we read in the Bible and spend our time with God. And, and, you know, we get a few good things happen to us and all of a sudden we're not praying like we were. We're not putting that daily emphasis on our walk with him, our relationship with him. And then all of a sudden negative things begin to happen in our life. And here's why. Because we were practicing those daily things and we just stopped. We just stopped and went, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. I don't think I need to put all that prayer time in. I don't think I need to really focus on that. I don't think I need to spend my time with that anymore, and then we get ourselves in a mess. Let me give you a couple of quotes here. I love this one. I don't know who said it. The chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. The chains of habit, because they come over a period of time, a little bit every day, sometimes they're heavier than you even knew they were until they're so heavy 
you have a lot of difficulty breaking those bad habits. So when it comes to your health, when it comes to your relationships, and most importantly, when it comes to your walk with God, it's what you do every day. Albert Einstein, uh, the great physicist, said this. Did I say that right? Physicist said this. Uh, the world is a dangerous place. And he said this a long time ago. It, it could be said today. The world is a dangerous place. And this is so true. Not because of those who do evil, because they're always going to be with us, but because of those who look on and do nothing. So when I, when I read that quote, it, it just brings a word up to me, and it is this word passive. Passive. Why do people live passive lives? I want you to look at what John Maxwell, anybody read John Maxwell's stuff? Man, listen, guys, just eat all that stuff you can. Read all that stuff you can. He's got tons of YouTube videos. Uh, John Maxwell's awesome stuff. Here's what Dr. John Maxwell, great man of God, used to be a pastor. Now he helps uh, church leaders. He said, we should never let what we cannot do keep us from doing what we can do. And I love this next statement. A passive life never turns into a meaningful life. If your life is meaningful at the end, I mean, when you get to the end of your life, when you get to the end, if you want your life to be meaningful, how many of you know that's just not going to happen? you got to go get it. It's not going to just come to you. you got to go get it. And, and you guys have heard me use this analogy so many times. We don't drift into healthy finances, do we? We don't, how many of y'all have drifted into good health? How many of y'all have drifted into losing weight? I've never drifted into losing weight. I've never got up in the morning and went, I lost 20 pounds. What in the world's going on? How do I lose 20 pounds? I got to go get it. I hate that, don't y'all? When we get to heaven, everybody's going to be the size they're supposed to be, and you can eat anything you want to. That's why, that's just, and this is what makes heaven for me. Um, so, so you never drift into the life you want. You never drift into a meaningful life. Listen to me. You never drift into a great marriage. You never drift into a great relationship with your children and them growing up to love Jesus. You never drift into good, strong, healthy finances. You never drift into a successful career. You never drift into these things. You've got to go get them. You've got to be, what's that other big word? You've got to be Intentional. There's got to be a strategy. There's got to be a plan. There's got to be a life that's lived every day. So this sermon series is about intentional living. It's about how you live your life. Everybody say those two words with me. Every day. To live your life intentionally, you have to have a daily plan. In this first sermon that we're giving today, we're talking about the value of every day that God gives us. Every day we live is a gift from God because here's what you want. Listen carefully. When you come to the end of your time, and everybody's going to come to the end of their time, and when you come to the end of time, I know we don't, don't always get to pick the end of our time. I know that. I know there are sudden deaths, but you know most people just they kind of know when the end of their time is coming. So when you come to the end of the, your time and you reflect back on your life as a whole, you want to be able to say with sincere conviction, the life I lived was not perfect because how many people are perfect? 
But you want to be able to say, you know what? I lived a fruitful life. My life made a difference. I lived a generous life. I lived a fulfilling life because I lived my life, and I didn't always nail it, and I wasn't 100%, but generally, overall, I lived intentionally. I lived intentionally every day for God and His glory. In John 11, the disciples are rushing Jesus. They're rushing Him. Um, Jesus is, there are rumblings against Jesus, and there's a lot of talk about um, demanding his death and demanding him be put in jail. And so there's all this negative talk about Jesus and the disciples are nervous and, and they're trying to make sure Jesus is okay and they're more like bodyguards and ERT guards, uh, ERT guys and gals like we have here at the bridge. They got Jesus surrounded and, and uh, Jesus is just ministering and Jesus is just healing people and he's teaching. And finally one of the disciples look at him and go, look man, we need to hurry up here we got to move on here. There's a little book I want to recommend, and I'm going to finish that story, but there's a little book. It's a tiny little book. It's an old book. You probably can find it for a dollar. It's called The Tyranny of the Urgent. The Tyranny of the Urgent. Great little book. I try to read it every year. Because it is, it is often living, living in a state of emergency. Living in a state of urgency just causes us to miss so much. And these disciples come up to Jesus. They're like, come on, man, come on. we got to hurry up. People are talking about you. It's not all good, you know. People are calling for you to be killed, calling for you to be put in jail. And Jesus turns and asks them a question in verse 9. He says to them, hey, I want to ask you something. Are there not 12 hours in a day? Now, when you read that and you're just reading the Bible and you're just reading that story, you're like, yeah, I get what Jesus means. But here's what Jesus is saying. He's actually not asking them a question. How many of you ever remember your parents asking you a question, but it wasn't really a question? I mean, they walk in, your room was messed up, and they go, is this the way your room's supposed to look? Is this the way it's supposed to look? See, what you didn't want to say to that was, yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know. So Jesus is looking at them, and he's going, are there not 12 hours in a day? Let me tell you what Jesus was saying, and study this. I hope you'll study it when you get home. You'll find a lot more good stuff there. But this is one thing Jesus was saying. He was saying to Pharaoh Hardison, he was saying to you, there's enough time in every day to do gracefully what God wants us to do. Everybody say it. Can we say that together? You just repeat it after me. There's enough time in every day to do gracefully what God wants me to do. Here's where the tension is. The tension is we're trying to do what God wants us to do, but we're more interested in what we want to do and what everybody else wants us to do. Come on, come on. Amen. And that's where the tension is, and that's why we live in the tyranny of the urgent all the time is because we kind of take God's stuff and treat it optional, and we treat what we want and what we believe others expect of us, and we make that priority. I just preach right there. I hope you got it. He said there's enough time in every day to do what God the Father has called us to do. Look at Proverbs 27 and 1. Solomon the wise man says, make every day count because you don't know if you've got the next day. He said in Proverbs 27 1, do not boast about tomorrow. That's why it's so important to live today 
the right way. Don't boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day will bring. Isn't that the truth? Can I just say this? Here's what I'm talking about in this sermon series. You don't know what a life, you don't know what a day is going to bring. So you're, you're looking at me, you're going, Pastor, you know, this is um, pie in the sky preaching because we can plan every day how we're going to live, what attitude we're going to have, the way we're going to think, how we're going to treat people. We can plan all that, but we have no idea what a day will bring. You know what? You don't know what a day will bring, but you can know how you're going to react to that day. You know, you can know how you're going to react to that thing. You, you know what, if you've, got, if you've got the right attitude, if you've spent some time in the morning with God, and it doesn't have to be a long time, if you spend some time in the morning with God, if you get your head right, you get your mind right, you've got a little card maybe. How many of y'all use a list? Who uses a list? I use list all the time. I love list. And you know, you got it on your bathroom mirror, and it's got, man, I'm going to be committed today to this, and I'm going to have the right attitude, and I'm going to focus on my marriage, and I'm going to focus on my relationship with God. Maybe you just got that list, and you kind of get that in your head. Then no matter what the day brings you, no matter what bumps, no matter what U-turns, no matter what sharp curves, no matter what pit uh, falls are in front of you, you can have your mind right where you say, Lord, no matter what comes. Hey, how about this? Through it all, through it all, it is well with my soul. We sung it this morning. We sung that this morning. Wasn't that powerful? I'm not telling you there aren't going to be unexpected stuff in your life. I'm not telling you you can come to a place in your walk with God where bad things don't happen to you. I'm not telling you that you can come to a place in your faith where everything's good. Let me give you this scripture. I never promised you a rose garden. That ain't in the Bible, is it? But anyway, y'all know what I'm saying. You know, God never said it's all going to be flowers and, 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 and beautiful days and sunshine. As a matter of fact, can I tell y'all something? If it was sunshine all the time, it would be a desert. Amen. And if it was rain all the time, we know what that would be, don't we? Be a flood. So God sends us sunshine and God sends us rain. What we have to do is decide how we're going to live every day of our life, whether there's sunshine, amen, or whether there's rain. So every day, every day is so important. Look at this next scripture. God gives us some stuff to do every day. He says, be intentional about every day. Psalm 96 and 2, sing to the Lord every day. Now some of y'all need to do that with the windows up on your car. Because if you sing going down the road with the windows down, people are going to be going, man, pull over and I'll help you. Just pull over and I'll try to. Man, I'm going to miss American Idol, aren't y'all? All those people who can't sing and their grandma told them they were the next Beyonce. Oh, man. Look what it says. Every day, every day, sing to the Lord. Every day, bless his name. Every day, proclaim good tidings of his salvation. How often? From day to day, from day to day. This is a guy who's made up his mind every day. I'm going to live a life that honors God. Every day I'm going to live a life. I want to live to my full potential. God created me with awesome potential, and I want to live to my full potential in his power and in his strength and in his spirit. Now next week, we're going to drill down. We're going to talk about waking up every morning. And I've been talking about this recently. So we're going, to wait, I, we're going to talk about waking up every morning and saying, I am a representative of God. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Don't you think if you woke up every morning and you said, you know what? 
I'm a Christian. I go to the bridge. The people I work with know it. My family knows it. A lot of people I run into every day know it. I'm going to live my life as a good ambassador of God, a good representative of God. What if you've had that mindset? Would that make you, would that make you think differently through the day? I think it would. I think it would, and I pray for myself. Uh, I, I battle with that same thing. You know, I want to react out of my flesh sometimes. And I do react out of my flesh sometimes. I wasn't going to say that, but Miss Millie has heard this sermon, so she knows that I react out of my flesh, out of my humanity, and not out of my preacherness and my Christianity and my godness. And what I want to do in 2017 is I want to react more like a committed ambassador. You know, we're going to celebrate Veterans Day uh, next week. Can we give it up for our veterans? Let's give it up for them right now. So we're going to celebrate that big time next weekend. What a better Sunday than to talk about being a committed representative, a committed ambassador of Christ. What actions will I take today? What messages will I send? What people will I serve in an effort to demonstrate Christ, reflect Christ in the world today? And then the next week, hard to believe, but the next week, two weeks from today, is going to be the week before Thanksgiving. So we're going to talk about attitude and gravy. And we're going to... We're going to talk about attitude. How many of you know gratitude is a attitude? And we're going to talk about that. So you got to get that attitude right. What's my perspective? What's my attitude toward that? And then we're going to talk about growing, growing personally, growing spiritually, growing relationally. We're going to talk about, hey, guys, I've been putting it off. We need to preach on it. We need to talk about it. Do you know the Bible has a lot to say with how you treat your body? Come on, come on, don't leave me up here by myself. I'll come down there. It, we've got to start paying some attention to our physical body. And we're going to talk about that. I'm not going to do a whole sermon on that, but that's going to be something we're going to dig down into a little bit deeper. And I want to challenge you guys in 2017 to do some things for your physical health because I think sometimes when we're witnessing to people who don't know Jesus Christ, a lot of times they look at how we treat our body and they go, really? Amen? So I think we've got to look at that. We've got to take a look at that. And listen, nobody needs to hear that sermon more than I do. We want to look at our core values. What am I committed to? When I get up in the morning, what, I, what am I committed to? What are my core values? I'm going to live by my core values today. What are the priorities of my life? What are the standards that God has put in me that I'm going to live my life this way and I'm not going to violate that? That's the thing that bugs me during the election season. Stop telling me what you think I want to hear and just tell me who you really are. Because here's what I want to say about not all politicians. There are some good ones out there. But I just want to say to politicians, man, just what are your core values? Because here's what I know about you. What you're promising me right now isn't worth two cents. Amen? What you really are. What your core values are, that's what you're going to do once you're elected. I want to know what your core values are. Do you know your core values? What are those, what are those things in your life? You ought to write them down. What are things that you don't, you don't you're like, man, I... I that, I just, that's who I am. That's a core value for me, and I don't violate that. If it makes you mad, if it upsets you, if it offends you, I'm just not going. You want to know what the core values of the bridge are? We've got them listed right there on our web, website. 
the core values of our church. But you ought to not just have core values as a church. You ought to have some core values. And it bugs the daylights out of me. I think sometimes when you've been a politician for so long, and I'm not just picking on politicians. There might be one here today, and I love you, and we're praying for you, and may God help you. But, um, uh, you know, what's the, who's the, I, don't, I think some of them don't know what the real, the real, who is the real person. That's what I want to know about you. Let me just close with this. I want to close just focusing on a word, regret, because in this sermon series, I think if we can get hold of this and we can understand what we want to do with every day of our life, because it's not the big things we do, it's the little things we do every day. Don't they make the biggest difference? They make the biggest difference what we do every day. It's not that big spiritual experience you had at a seminar or you had at some prayer conference. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. But if you go to that big prayer conference and you have this big, awesome encounter with God and you come back and fall back into your old lifestyle, what good was it? Really not very much good. It's what we do every day. It's what we do every single day. So let's talk about regret. Let me, let me uh, give you the nine most common regrets people have at the end of their life. The nine most common regrets. Now, I know you're very nervous. Like, is he going to do a nine-point sermon now? No, I'm not. But here, here's what was found out. This uh, Grace Blue Rock did this study, and here was the nine things people said. I wish, regret number one, I wish I had been more loving to the people who really matter to me the most. I wish I'd been more loving to them. Number two, I wish I'd been a better husband. I wish I'd been a better wife. I wish I'd been a better parent. I wish I'd been a better child to my parents. Number three, I wish I'd not spent so much time working. Number four, I wish I'd taken more risks. I wish I'd not lived so safely, so passively. I wish I'd stepped out in faith a little bit more. Number five, I wish I'd been happier and enjoyed life more. You know, that's up to us. Number six, I wish I'd lived more my own dream rather than the dreams of others. Number seven, I wish I'd taken better care of my body. Number eight, I wish I'd uh, have done more for others. I wish I'd served others more. And number nine, I wish I'd chosen work that was meaningful to me. Can I tell you what your greatest regret will be? Your greatest regret, everybody in this room, no exceptions, your greatest regret will be that you did not surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That will be your greatest regret. I think about Pilate. The worst decision Pilate made. You remember Pilate when Jesus was coming before Pilate before he was crucified? You remember Pilate looked at Jesus, asked him questions. He said, I got to tell you guys, what did he say? I find no fault in this man. I find no fault in this man. And then Jesus asked him, uh, he asked you, who are you? And, and at that time, Pilate's heart was sincere. And so when he asked Jesus who he was, how many of you know Jesus will answer your questions if you're sincere? Jesus said, anybody who wants to know about me, I'll tell you who I am if you're sincere. And so he answered Pilate's questions. And Pilate couldn't decide. And so he sent, he sent 
Jesus to this judge, and that judge sent him back, and he sent Jesus over here, and that judge sent him back, and he kept trying to not make a decision. The worst decision Pilate made was indecision because he never surrendered his life to Jesus. He had every opportunity. Jesus revealed himself to Pilate. He told Pilate who he was. Hey, do y'all remember that Pilate's wife came to him? She had a dream about who Jesus was, and she said, I'm telling you, you better be careful how you handle this guy. He's the real deal. That's the Pharaoh Hardison version. Get that Bible. <laughs> He's the real deal. You better be careful. I mean, God did everything to reveal himself to Pilate, but Pilate never gave his life to Jesus never gave his life to Jesus. That's the biggest regret of Pilate's life. It'll be the biggest regret of your life. Now, I know some of you are sitting here. I know. And you're going, man, I didn't even want to be here today. There's so many hypocrites out there at the bridge. Can I just say something to that? Amen. Amen. I'm one. I'm one. I'm a hypocrite. What do you mean by that? I mean, I don't always get it right. I preach something up here, and then I go home and act a different way. I know that shocks you guys. I can tell you are stunned. If that's what a hypocrite is, if a hypocrite is saying one thing and then doing something else and crying because you didn't even do what you said everybody else needs to do, that's me. I mean, do you? People come up to me and they go, man, I tell you, I found over here the Bible says this, and then you go over here on this side and it says something totally different. Yeah, you found that on the Internet, didn't you? There's nothing you can't find on the Internet. You can find anything on the Internet. Let me ask you something. Do you think, those of you who talk about hypocrites in the church and that's why you don't go and the Bible contradicts itself, do you think you're going to stand before God on Judgment Day and go, hey, I found something on the Internet right before you judge me, right before you judge me, and right before you uh, send me to my eternity, I'm telling you, I found something on the internet. I mean, Jesus is going to go, oh, man, I had no idea. Please, please. The biggest regret you're going to ever have is pushing back when the Holy Spirit is saying, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, and you push back, and you push back, and you fight, and you offer up. Oh, Pastor Farrell's a hypocrite, and people at the bridge are a hypocrite, and, blah, 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 and you got all this bitterness in you, and you figured out the Bible isn't really true, and you think you got something. Let me tell you what you got. You got an attitude that's going to send you into an eternity without Jesus Christ. That's what you got. Humble yourself. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Not Pharaoh. Not the bridge. I can't save you. The bridge can't save you. But Jesus can save you. You don't even have to come to church at the bridge. It isn't about the bridge. It's about Jesus. It's about your eternity. It's about where you're going to spend eternity. Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. He said, for God says, and he's quoting from Isaiah 49, 8, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Read that last sentence. Today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father.